is faith gauged by some sort of unseen quantity? As we heard at the outset, Romans 14, 1, Paul says, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgments on his opinions. I love the grace there. And what we might not catch with a quick reading of Romans is that Paul contrasts weak faith with strong faith in Romans 15.1. Look at what he says there. Romans 15.1 says, Now we who are strong ought to bear with the weaknesses of those. But underline this in your Bible, highlight it and remember it. Without strength. I'll come back to it in just a second. And not just please ourselves. That's what we're supposed to do if we have, if we have faith or we are strong in faith, as we'll find out. But also note in 1423, you just need to keep your thumb at this place because I'm going to come back to it. Whatever is not done from faith is what, church? Whatever is not done from faith is sin. So again, the question is, is faith, is trust a measurement? There are several passages in God's word that speak of little faith or weak faith or even littleness of faith or small faith. Jesus himself uses the terms, so don't shy away from the terms just because, uh, because you don't like what they say. Uh, he, Jesus actually uses these terms uh, against Peter. He says, you of little faith. He uses them against the disciples at large, and he uses them against the entire generation at one point. But in each of these passages, the question we have to ask is, is Jesus referring to a quantity of faith, or is he showing people, listen to me, is he showing people that in that area, they lack faith or trust in him completely? What is he asking? What is he getting at? Dr. John Lennox, he's a professor and theologian. He's also a mathematician, so he's smarter than I am. Uh, wrote his book, Determined to Believe, which is just a, a book on uh, God's sovereignty and man's freedom. I'd recommend the book. It's phenomenal. But he says this about faith in his book. He says, the crucial thing about faith is its location, not its quantity. In whom do we place our faith, not how much faith do we have? And although I agree with Dr. Lennox, and although I will uh, use the Bible to make that case, the question that still has to be asked is what does the Bible say, not what does John Lennox say. I love the guy. I think he's brilliant. But it doesn't matter in the end what he says. It matters what God has said. So is faith gauged by a measurement, some sort of scale that we're measuring on? The answer is no. The answer is no. Let me prove it to you. In Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 23, a man comes to Jesus, he's falling on his knees, he's praying, or he's asking Jesus to heal his son. The father describes his son's sickness, he describes what's going on. He's having these seizures, he's throwing himself into the fire, he's throwing himself into the water. And so he describes these, uh, these sickness, this sickness to Jesus, and then he tells Jesus that he brought his son to the disciples. So I brought him to your boys, and they couldn't cure him. That was the term there. They could not cure him. That's an interesting phrase that he uses there. But Jesus, in verse 17, reprimands his guys, okay? So the father comes, says, this is my boy. He's sick. I took him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. So Jesus turns to his disciples and reprimands him. And listen to what he says. This is one of the most harsh reprimands you'll ever hear in Scripture. He says, you unbelieving and perverted generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? I'm trying to work that into a Sunday message. 
I, I, no, I can do it when it's Jesus's words, but I'm trying to work it in for me. And I just don't think I have the heart yet for it. But so Jesus reprimands them. He just hits them pretty hard. And then Jesus asks for the boy. And what does Jesus do? He heals him. He heals him. In spite of what is criticized, next. This is fascinating to me. He doesn't really care about what comes, uh, what, what is uh, in them, whether their faith is strong or not. He cares about proving who he is. But look at this. The disciples then come to Jesus in private and they ask him a question. Why couldn't we do it? You know, what, what's broken inside of us? What is the problem? What does Jesus say? This is where we get these ideas of a measurement of faith. Jesus actually says these words. They're real. They're there. You can see them. Be, because of the littleness of your faith because of the littleness of your faith and you're going wow yep that's what I've been taught all my life the reason why something's not happened is because of littleness in my faith but what does Jesus say right after that for truly I say to you if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed you can say to a mountain move from here to there and it will be moved and then look what he says he says and nothing will be impossible for you now, now let, me, let me ask you a simple question. If the faith the size of mustard seed will enable me to not face anything that overcomes me, that makes sure nothing is impossible, why would I need more than a mustard seed? I don't because Jesus never said so. It's just a goofy idea that we have read, again, like I started at the beginning, out of context for far too long. Now, just looking at the surface of this, it does seem like he says, well, littleness of faith, that means a measure. But 17 tells us the answer to this. Jesus' reprimand to his disciples was what? That they were an unbelieving generation, not a little believing generation. He says you are an unbelieving generation. He didn't say they just didn't have enough belief. It also doesn't make sense with Jesus' word of the faith of a mustard seed. But I'm going to come back to that and hit home on that in just a second. But we've got more to go through because there's some challenging ones ahead. Next is the fa most famous probably passage of Jesus' criticism of little faith. He calls out Peter walking on the water, right? Matthew 14. 22 through 33, Jesus' disciples set out on their boat, and I love this terminology in the scripture. It says that they, were, they came up against a contrary wind. Isn't that, isn't that pleasant? That's an understatement of the year, right? Under, that's a contrary wind. Well, it stirred up the waters and was battering the ship. So Jesus comes out to them. He's walking on the water, and he startles them. Why does he startle them? Because they thought he was a ghost. Did you guys notice today in one of the songs, Adam used the word Holy Ghost? That's the King James, right? But as Barney has rightly pointed out in times past, you cannot say Holy Ghost. You have to say Holy Ghost. That, that is the right way. I'm not mocking him, trust me. But that is the way I was raised. You have to say Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. There's a cadence to it, okay? So get, get that down, right? So, so he comes out onto the ship. They're scared. They think he's a ghost. And Jesus calms them. So Peter says to Jesus, listen to these words. I love it. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I don't know about you, but I have no idea why he thought that up in the moment. Just think, please track with me. He's never seen a movie in his life. Peter's like, you know what I'm thinking would be a good idea? Walking on water. What? 
What? The only way he has that file folder is because Jesus is doing it. Okay? And so he goes, hey, let's do it. That's great. Jesus doesn't disappoint. Come on, baby. Let's do it. That's the NIV, Nathan International Version. But still, he, he calls him out, right? And the scripture says that he gets out of the boat. He walks on the water. These are the exact words from Matthew. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Highlight two things. He cried out to the Lord and he called on him to save him. Verse 31 tells us immediately that Jesus stretches out his hands and he took hold of Peter and here's where he says it. He says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The question that we have to ask here, it's a fun question, it's not often asked, is what did, you, what did Peter doubt? Notice he doesn't doubt who can save him. Lord, Lord, save me. He doesn't doubt who Jesus is, and he doesn't doubt who can save him. What he doubted was that Jesus, or anything else for that matter, could continue to enable him to walk on water. Peter's little faith was not somehow that his faith meter had the, uh, had the fuel light come on. He didn't reach this low level and all of a sudden need to go to the gas station. That's not what's happening. If this is our problem, then the question we have to ask is what level of faith does one need to stay afloat? If nothing is impossible with the faith of a mustard seed, how much more do I need to walk on water? You see, we can't answer that question because the Bible doesn't answer it. Because the Bible doesn't know what we're talking about. We're asking 21st century questions in a 1st century writing. Peter believed that he could walk with his Lord, but Peter saw the winds and the waves and he doubted that he could walk with his Lord. Peter's faith was on one moment, it was off the next. Yet again, we're not talking about quantity, we're talking about trust. Does he trust or does he not? The list goes on and on, church, in the scripture. And in every case, we see the exact same thing in its context. In Matthew 6.30, Jesus instructs us not to worry about the things that we need in this life. And then he calls out those who have little faith as those who don't trust him for tomorrow. In Matthew 16.8, Jesus calls out his disciples for being men of little faith because they discussed among themselves that they had no bread. When Jesus was talking about, again, something completely different. He was talking about the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But he condescends to their stupidity. I love this because he does this to me all the time, right? He condescends to their stupidity and he reassures them. If you, if you study Matthew 16, 8, he actually looks at them and says, What part of our history together makes you think I won't feed you? He says, I fed the 4,000, I fed the 5,000, how much food was left over? And you're complaining about bread? What? What's going on with you guys? Do you see the connection here? He is not talking about their little faith as we understand the phrase. He is talking about their lack of trust in him. This idea throughout scripture is clearly understood, again, by the context. Little faith, weak faith, small faith has nothing to do with it landing on a scale. Instead, it is an idiomatic phrase that is translated, you don't trust God at all. You don't trust God at all. 
So I told you we'd get back to Romans 14, 23 and 15, 1. Look at these two passages. 14, 23 says this, whatever is not done from faith is sin. You notice he doesn't say whatever is not done from a proper amount of faith is sin. It is, if it is faith, it is good. If it is not faith, it is sin. Not if it is just a little bit bigger than a mustard seed. But then again, look at Romans 15.1. It says, Now we who are strong ought to bear, with, bear the weaknesses of those, underline it, without strength, not of little strength. The words are used, but we have to know what they mean. And their meaning is derived from a context. 